You know anybody ever been around anyone who just thinks they're better than everybody else? Every time you talk to them, you you get this subtle and not so subtle impression that they just think they know more or they're better than everybody, maybe not at everything, maybe at one particular thing, and they just have ways of letting everybody know that. It's annoying, isn't it? We, we don't like those people. If that's you, we don't like it when you're that way. And then we read the story of Jesus, and, and, and there are times that Jesus just very clearly communicates, I'm better than everybody else, not in an arrogant way, uh, not in a trying to show anyone up sort of way, in a, in a way, a compassionate way of saying, look, you need to follow me. You need to trust me. I, I, I really am who I say I am. I, I really can do what I say I can do. You need to follow me. The other writers in the New Testament do this as well. Paul does this and And John and Peter, uh, the writer of Hebrews does it a lot. Just says over and over, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than any other choice you could make, any other leader you could follow, any other path you could take. Jesus really is better. Follow him. Give your life to him. And when we come to John chapter 10, that's kind of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is drawing a distinction between everything else we could give our lives to, every other path we could follow, every other person we could idolize, and Him. And He is the better choice for our lives. In John chapter 10, Jesus does this using the analogy of a shepherd. Now, that's difficult uh, for us. Any shepherds here this morning? Anybody know a shepherd? Anybody ever met a shepherd? See, that's what I'm talking about. This is tricky because we don't have a lot of direct knowledge of shepherds. We kind of know what a shepherd would do. We've read stories and seen pictures of shepherds. But when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, we still eat bread, right? Unless you're on one of those diets where you don't do carbs. But most of us, people who love Jesus, we eat bread, right? Um, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. We know what lights are. But when he says, I am shepherd, we don't have a lot of personal connection with shepherding. So I'm going to, as we go through, I'm going to try to give some background. It'll, it'll be a review for some of you. You've heard this before. It, it'll, be, it'll be new for, for maybe a few of you. What Jesus is going to say more than once in John 10 is this phrase, I am the good shepherd. That's Jesus' statement in John, I am the good shepherd which implies there are bad shepherds. If Jesus is the good shepherd, there are bad shepherds, and John 10 is all about highlighting this distinction. And Jesus saying, I'm really the better choice. And and, and we're going to talk about all the ways that make Jesus the better choice for who we would follow and listen to, who we would give our lives too. There's some debate about the chronology of John 10 and where certain things happen. Um, Some people think that John 10 is coming out of John 9. It's just a continual teaching. John 7, 8, 9, if you were here last week, it's at the Feast of Tabernacles. If you weren't, it's on our website or you can watch it on, on, on Facebook. 
So some people think Jesus is coming right out of that. And if you remember from John chapter 9, a blind person gets healed. It's this great moment. Jesus heals the blind person. And this blind man just is having the best day of his life. And he's celebrating. He's telling all his family, all of his friends, I can see I was blind, but now I see. I don't know how it happened. Jesus did it. I don't know who Jesus is, but he did it. And I'm a big fan now because I was blind. And now I can see. And the religious leaders, the Pharisees, pounce on this guy because he's giving Jesus credit. And they harass him, and they're angry with him, and they tell him to stop telling people about Jesus, which you have to ask, who does this, right? Like if somebody was blind and now they can see, who's mad about that? Who's, who's angry about that? But that's part of what Jesus is highlighting in John 10, because he's going to dive right back into that and say, look, there are bad shepherds that you could follow. There are bad directions you could go with your life, and, and, and you could trust the wrong people. That, that's part of the backdrop of what's happening in, in John 10. And then in the middle of John 10, verse 22, the Bible says that they were at the festival of dedication. And again, some people argue this is a new scene. Some people argue, no, they've been there the whole time. Uh, the festival of dedication is what we would call Hanukkah. And, and most of us probably don't celebrate Hanukkah, but we know what it is. A Jewish celebration around the time of Christmas. <clears throat> what you may not know is the origins of Hanukkah, the, the festival of dedication, is bad leadership. Uh, in between the writing of the Old and the New Testament is when Hanukkah happens. That's why we don't find a lot of references to it in the Bible. It happens around 160 B.C., uh, the Maccabean revol revolt, Judas Maccabeus. And the reason they have to revolt is because the Jewish temple leadership has allowed the Greeks to totally desecrate the temple. Just ruined everything, allowed all kinds of violations to God's commands and laws, presumably because they're, they're trying to win favor with the new leaders. The Greeks are now in charge, and, and so they're trying to win favor with this new leadership and just totally desecrated the whole temple, and so there's an uprising. That's right in the middle of John 10. John organizes this whole chapter as a contrast between bad shepherds and good shepherds, wrong paths and right paths, wrong people to follow and right people to follow. In, in, in the biblical times of Hanukkah, they would read from Ezekiel. Here are Ezekiel's words, Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So the whole backdrop here, bad shepherds, bad leaders. And Jesus says repeatedly in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. You should follow me. Here are Jesus' words. Uh, John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. 
The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. If we don't have sheep shepherds uh, here, we probably don't have a good visual of a sheep pen. So I uh, brought along uh, some pictures of sheep pens, what they might have looked like. Uh, typically, stack stones, sort of walls that were made, uh, sometimes enclosed all the way around wall, sometimes back up against a cliff, and you just make two little walls that come out, and one opening. Sometimes they didn't have enough stone, and so they'd just make it out of sticks and thorns. Other times they would build the, the stone wall, and they would put thorns across the top to try to keep out predators and enemies who would come to harm, uh, to harm the sheep. Jesus says this, I want you to get this picture in your mind of a sheep pen and sheep that are in the pen because this was a, this was a visual of protection. That the whole reason for putting your sheep in a pen at night was because you cared enough about them to protect them. That's what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd protects his sheep. A good shepherd wants what's best for his sheep. A good shepherd defends his sheep. Uh, you, you've, you've seen the pictures. Uh, shepherds would have staff, a, a staff, and, and that would be used for defensive purposes to to fight off enemies, animals, predators that might attack the flock. A lot of them would have slingshots, sort of like David and Goliath. So they practiced with their slingshot. Um, Others had a smaller baton that they could either use in their hand or they could throw it. And and if you think about it, if you're a shepherd and all you have to do all day is watch sheep, you you have plenty of time to practice your accuracy. You have Plenty of time to get good with a sling, get good with a stick, get good with a staff. You have plenty of time to get really good. And shepherds were known for being really, really good at protecting their sheep. That's how much they care. Providing safety, providing security, providing comfort. And the contrast, good shepherd protects, good shepherd watches over. The contrast is is what Jesus calls the thief and the robber. Thieves and robbers try to come in by some other way. In other words, they try to sneak in and pull the sheep out in order to harm them. He's going to say more about that in verse 10, where Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's a contrast. There's a good shepherd who wants to protect you. He wants to protect your future. He wants to protect your way. He wants to give you security. He wants to give you comfort. And they're thieves. And it's kind of a simple message in John 10. Those are the two choices. Good shepherd is going to protect. Thieves and robbers are going to destroy. Anything that I choose other than Jesus falls into this category. Anything that I choose before Jesus falls into this category. And, And so many of us live our lives making decisions away from the good shepherd that we're convinced is going to give us safety and security and protection, and we get to the end of that road, and it just doesn't. And so in John 10, Jesus is saying, no, I'm, I'm a better choice than all of these other things. I'm a better direction for your life than all of these other things that you could have chosen, and it's kind of a simple choice. 
It's kind of a simple message. But it's a clear message. Jesus is better. Jesus is better for your future. Jesus is, is better for, for the direction of your life. Jesus is better. And, and, and I know our, our society resists binary choices, like only having two choices. John 10 is another place in the Bible that says there's only two choices here. There's only two choices with your life. And either you're going to follow the good shepherd are you going to follow some form of bad shepherd? Some form of a leader, a direction that's not going to fulfill, that's not going to satisfy, that's not going to give many. But, but the good shepherd wants to protect you. You can believe it or not, the good shepherd wants to protect you. Another thing about the good shepherd that makes him the good shepherd is that the good shepherd has a personal affection and attachment to his sheep. He knows them. right? Jesus said the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The sheep pens typically housed more than one flock at night. In other words, if I had 10 sheep and you had 10 sheep and you had 10 and you had 15 and you had 20... Then we'd all meet at the sheep pen at night and they'd all go through the gate and we put all of our sheep together in the sheep pen. And they'd mix and mingle and play dominoes and whatever sheep do at night. They would do that and then it would be the morning and the, shepherd, the shepherds would have to divide out all the sheep again and get them back in the right flocks. And, and Jesus says, history tells us, if you, if you study shepherds, you'll discover that shepherds have such a personal attachment to their sheep that they could call their sheep and separate their flock with just their voice. They could call. Some shepherds, as Jesus said, some shepherds name all of their sheep, right? Fluffy and, and Spot and Cotton Ball and one sheep, two sheep, red sheep, blue sheep. I don't know what they named them. I would run out of names. I was talking to somebody after the first service who actually worked on a goat farm for a while. And one of their goats was Mary J. Blige. So there you go. They, they had names. And the shepherds, because there was this personal affection, they were their sheep. They owned these sheep. They were connected in that way. They could just call their names. And the sheep would come out. And followed their shepherd. Other shepherds had, um, they would play music. They would have a wooden flute and there would be some little tune. And uh, I don't know if it was top 40, R&B, it definitely wasn't country. But they would play some tune. And when they played those notes, the sheep would just follow behind them. Because they, they had this personal connection to, that's my shepherd. And he knows me, and I know him, and I want to follow him. Jesus is saying, this is what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd knows you personally. Isaiah chapter 40 describes God in, in similar terms. Isaiah says, he, speaking of God, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. All throughout the Bible, we're, we're given this message of God and of Jesus of deeply loving us. Deeply loving us. Isaiah said, you want to know, you want a picture of God? Picture him like a shepherd who carries his lambs close to his heart. 
that, that's how much he loves his people. That's how much he loves you. He knows you. He loves you. He carries you close to his heart. There's a good shepherd that you could follow. You're, you're not just one of many in a sheep pen. You're not just one of many in a flock. You're not just another one. You're not model number 100 billion five to him. He knows your name. The psalmist says, he's acquainted with all my ways. He knew me when I was being formed in my mother's womb. This good shepherd affectionately cares for and loves his sheep. And it's almost like Jesus is trying to get us to see, why, why would you follow any other shepherd with your life? Why, why would you trail after any other leader with your life when there is this good shepherd who loves you deeply, cares about you deeply? After explaining this, Jesus Jesus starts throwing the I am statements out. He actually gives two in this chapter. Here's the first one. Very truly, I tell you, this is verse 7. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. You want to be a part of this flock? You want to follow this good shepherd? you got to come through the shepherd. There was one of the, the pictures of the sheep pens earlier that had a shepherd sitting in the gate. This was common. Once all the sheep were in the pen, the shepherd would sit at the gate as a protection so that nothing could get in through the gate to get the sheep and none of the sheep could get out and be lost. In order to get in or out, you came through the shepherd. And this is the picture Jesus is saying. Like, I'm the gate. Like, come through me. If you want to experience the life that God has for you, it's through the good shepherd. It's through Jesus. When Jesus uses that, that phrase, good shepherd, good means beautiful in the sense of noble and virtuous and attractive. Every good thing that God could be for you, Jesus is for you. He is the sum of every good character, uh, of every good desire, of, of every good emotion towards you. This is what the good shepherd is. So a little bit later in verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the, she the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Think about the analogy. The good shepherd, the shepherd that owns the sheep, the shepherd that's connected to the sheep, the shepherd that loves the sheep, when, when an enemy comes, he's going to stay and fight. He's going to stay and protect. Whereas someone just hired to do the job, when a threat comes, they're going to run away. Like they don't own this. They're not invested in the sheep. Those aren't his 
sheep. He's not risking anything on behalf of the sheep. And Jesus says, look, I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to stay with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to walk away from you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I know you. He even says at the beginning of that, like the good shepherd would lay his life down for you. That's how, that's how much he cares about you. That's how much you can trust him. The good shepherd would give his very life for you. Now, now think about what's on the horizon. If you, if you turn the page in the Bible over to the next chapter, what's coming up in just a little while. Really, the next scene in John's gospel is the death of Lazarus and Jesus heals him and Palm Sunday, the Last Supper, He's betrayed, He's crucified. Everything Jesus is saying is about to happen in the timeline that John has put it in. Jesus is like, I'm, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Another thing about the good shepherd. The good shepherd leads his sheep. He doesn't drive his sheep. He leads his, she- his sheep. Uh, Jesus said, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The picture is not of Jesus behind the sheep beating them forward. The picture is of a good, loving, trusted shepherd who's out front leading and we're following You get the same image in a familiar verse from the psalm, a familiar chapter. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I won't be in want. I won't be discontent. He's not going to lead me to places where I'm dissatisfied. I'm going to find meaning in Him. I'm going to find security in Him. I'm going to find hope. I'm going to find peace. I'm going to find joy in Him. I'm not going to live out my days discontented. The Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. That's Jesus. He's always at work for us because He's the good shepherd. He's always leading us to the places that we need to go. Even the verses, He guides me along the right paths. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you're with me. I'm going to follow you. No matter where we're going, the one thing that I can trust may not be my circumstances, may not be my surroundings, may not even be my feelings. The one thing I can trust is there's a good shepherd leading me. He's going to take me to the places that I need to go. And after explaining this contrast, this difference between good shepherd and bad shepherd, the Pharisees didn't get it. This is from uh, verse 6. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Here's Jesus trying to say, I'm the one, follow me. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you security. I'm going to be with you. Even when you don't understand your circumstances, I will be there. I will be leading you to places that are good for you, best for you. And the Pharisees go, we don't get it. We don't get it. A little bit later in the chapter, verse 19, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? 
There always has been, there always will be, there currently is a divide when it comes to Jesus. There is a divide when it comes to the Good Shepherd. Because there are people who hear what Jesus has to say and they go, I want that. I want that. I want to to give my life to that. I want to follow Him. I want to trust Him. I believe that He is indeed the Good Shepherd. And there are always those who go, I don't get it. I don't think that's for me. I don't think that's what I want. There's always this divide. One of the reasons we struggle with this divide is because voices tend to get really loud in the desert. Part of the problem for the sheep in Jesus' analogy is much of that region was barren and dry and hostile. If it had all been pasture land and water and lush, then It really wouldn't have mattered where the shepherd led them. There would always be good stuff. But that's not the case. Getting to pasture, getting to water for a sheep was an issue of life and death. It was a matter of health. It was a matter of living and dying. And if you followed the wrong shepherd to the wrong place as a sheep, then you'd you died. Back to that, in, that picture from Psalm 23, that he's, he's leading them to green pastures. That he's leading them beside quiet waters. You could find stagnant water in the desert, and it was usually filled with bacteria and disease. And if a sheep drink too much of that, they're going to die. You, you could, during the rainy season, you could find rushing waters. And if the sheep got too close to the edge of rushing water, they'd be pulled in and dragged downstream and they were going to die. That's why Psalm 23 says, He led led us to quiet waters. Jesus knows what the sheep needs and He's always moving them towards what they need. Again, the, the phrase we're familiar with, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Regardless of the darkness, regardless of the circumstances, I know there is a good shepherd leading me. We, let's be honest. We don't always know where we're going. We don't always know where we're supposed to go. We pretend that we do, right? Especially if you're a man driving. You pretend like you know where you're going. We don't always know where we're going. We don't always know where we're going in life. We don't always know how we got somewhere. The comforting thing about Jesus' analogy in Psalm 23 is even when I don't know where I'm going, there is a voice that's leading me. There is a good shepherd's voice that is calling to me, that knows me by name and will lead me through whatever I'm in and to the place that I need to be. The desert becomes a struggle. Because it's in the desert that we can hear a lot of different voices. It's when life is hard or when we begin to question that other voices start calling out to us. This is the great tension of our lives. Is that we have a good shepherd who has a plan for us and a direction for us. And we have multiple other voices that are constantly calling out to us. If you're a parent, isn't this one of the things you worry about with your kids? 
Because you know what your voice is saying. But you know when they leave your house, there's multiple other voices. Jesus is using that same analogy. I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to call out to you. But we also know there's other voices that are calling out to us all the time. Voices of temptation. Voices of fear. Voices of shame and guilt and rejection. Voices of lies. John 10, Jesus says, you have to tune your ear to me. You've got to listen to me. You have to decide that you're going to follow the good shepherd. We live in a time where it's easy to amplify voices, maybe easier than ever before. There are more avenues, thanks to the internet, there's more avenues to amplify voices that may or may not be true voices. To amplify voices that may or may not be good voices. And they're calling to us all of the time. The the, the problem for us is that the loudest voices aren't necessarily the good voices. Even the most consistent voices. The messages that we hear over and over again aren't necessarily the right messages. But they're voices. And they're calling. And they want us to listen. And they want us to change direction. And follow after them. Again, it's one, it's one of our fears for our kids. Is that when they leave us, they would be drawn by other voices. And Jesus in John 10 is saying, I'm the voice you need to listen to. I'm the voice you need to respond to. I, I, I'm the voice that you need to follow. It's, it's not just really bad voices and good voices, just kind of as an aside. One of of my fears for the time that we live in when voices get amplified so much is there are people who claim to speak for God, whose voice gets amplified in our culture and they're not speaking truth. They're speaking their version of the truth. They're speaking a misguided truth, but they use Bible verses or they use the name of Jesus. That's why you and I, if we're following the good shepherd, we got to get familiar with the shepherd's voice. We have got to listen for the voice of Jesus. And we're not going to get familiar with it if we're not ever listening for it. If we're not putting it in our heart and our mind. That's why I point you off into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Know the way Jesus speaks. Know what Jesus says. Know how Jesus spoke to individuals. The other writers of the Bible all point to Him as the Savior, as the Good Shepherd. You and I need to know His voice because there are millions of voices calling out to us. And John 10 is Jesus' simple way of saying, follow me, follow me. You may not believe it yet. You may not trust it yet. I really do love you. I really do want to protect you from the damage that you could do to yourself. Not just the damage that others could do to you. The damage that you could do to yourself by making choices that aren't in line with the Good Shepherd. And my fear My fear for all of us is that some of us are here 
But the voices we're listening to aren't the good shepherd. We're sort of tuning that voice out because we want to hear other voices. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, look, there's a good shepherd and a lot of bad shepherds, and you're going to decide which voice you're going to hear and which shepherd you're going to follow. Let's pray. God, thank you that Jesus spoke so boldly and clearly to get our attention in John 10. To not just use the analogy of a good shepherd, but to contrast it with thieves and robbers, that there are people and paths and decisions that want to steal from us. They want to wreck and ruin our life. They want to break the very things that you want to make whole. And today, as we sit here, Sunday morning, every person in this room is listening to a voice. Every person in this room is following a voice. And it's either the voice of the good shepherd or it's a bad shepherd. God, help us to set aside our pride, our arrogance, our, our belief that we know best, we know what's right. We don't really need an old book and an old story. And remind us that the Good Shepherd cares about us more than anybody else cares about us. Loved us enough to lay down his life knows our name and is calling out to us today. Help us to follow. In Jesus' name, amen.